a deep dive into the Oakland Athletics and San Francisco Giants. Jessica Kleinschmidt of NBC Sports Bay Area joins us next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And joining us today from NBC Sports Bay Area, she's also the co-host of the Corked Up podcast, Jessica Kleinschmidt. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Getting busy, getting to crunch time in uh, baseball, almost up to the trade deadline. What? Uh, how? How is your day to day going this year? Um, with with work or? Well, I guess I guess anything is is the right question, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's it's a mess, but it's it's a good mess um, in the best ways. Uh, I feel last season, you know, we only got sixty games, but it felt like one hundred and sixty two games, and so. I have to remind myself we're not even to the all-star break yet, um, but it's been fun. And, you know, we're, we're getting fans back in there. We're actually going to have full capacity soon with both teams in the Bay area. Um, Cause they were kind of like the last one to kind of happen with it, but I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we get in-person interviews soon as well. So things are slowly going back to normal. That, that's great. We, we had on Craig Mish on our show last week and we we're talking about this year and, uh, how hard it's been not having the player contact in person and, you know, just getting access to them via these press conferences and so much worse. And he, for him, he could not establish new relationships with some players that he never met. He relied on all the old relationships. How are you dealing with everything? You know, I keep hearing that and I think it's kind of a bullshit excuse. Um, but you have to remember, like I've I've established pretty much all of my own relationships via social media or other things like that. So I think needing to introduce yourself in person is great, but you have to be adjusting to what's been what what it is, right? You can't just wait for a year to pass um and everything like that. So I've just tried to do my best. Um, you know, the Zoom conferences are gonna happen and I understand that, but you still have to introduce yourself um pretty much the same way. Um, but you have to learn how to, you know, work, work around it, whether you have to introduce yourself to the communications manager and say like, Hey, can I do a follow-up question? Or will you ask this for me? There's ways around it. It's difficult. And I totally understand why not being able to create a relationship, but you have to like suck it up. I, I'm, I keep hearing people complain about it and I understand it, but you still have a job to do. So you're going to have to figure yourself, figure out a way around it. And it's actually not that difficult. And maybe I'm just annoyed at the moment but it's it's not that difficult sure for sure yeah so maybe just a little bit about yourself and you know how how you got started in the industry and you know how how you got to where you are today and and you're doing quite a bit of work with the oakland athletics these days um yeah just a, a little bit about yourself yeah so i have a very unconventional way of how i got started i'm a community college dropout really um so I just played baseball growing up and I, I was obsessed with it. I really wanted to be the first female MLB player, but at five foot nothing and I can't hit um, a fastball coming at my head at hundred miles an hour will make those dreams not become a reality. Um, so that's just kind of where I started when I was 12, I went to my first A's game and we got back from the game and I told my dad, I'm going to cover this team one day. 
And he was great about it. He was so supportive. He's like, okay, cool. Like, well, let's figure out a way to get there. And I just kind of kept blogging and developing relationships and, you know, networking and creating content and creating a blog and, you know, fast forward three or four years. And I got this amazing opportunity with NBC Sports Bay Area. Um, that's a, the short version, of course. It was a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but um, I'm pretty resilient and have had some fun and just kind of creating my own little niche different from a lot of other people. So that's kind of how it got started. So I've been having so much fun and the A's organization is so much fun to work with and same with the Giants organization. So I've been kind of spoiled, but I've been really, really learning a lot and having a lot of fun in the process. Enormous, enormous. Uh, so let, let's get right right down to it. And uh, we're doing, the, on our show the last couple of weeks, we're doing some deep dives into some teams and we thought you'd be perfect to cover the A's and the Giants being in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. uh, so talking about the, the uh, Oakland Athletics, Starting out with Chris Bassett, who's been absolutely fantastic. He's uh, got a 3-2-1 ERA, one whip, and his ERA estimators like XFIP and Sierra say that is totally valid. 74 strikeouts with a swinging strike rate of 11%. He has 1.6 war generated, which is number six in the American League as a pitcher. Um, he's been fantastic. And the question is, is Bassett, is this going to continue? And uh, do you think he is going to be a Cy Young contender at the very end? I'm biased just because I adore Chris Bassett, but um, I will, I can confidently say he will continue to be consistent, especially just last season alone with such a gorgeous storyline. The guy was just vying for a starting role period. He was hoping he would be part of that rotation because the season previously, he kind of had to come out of the bullpen with Blake Trinan being shut down. So he was open to any role. Now he's probably the most consistent guy on the team. And I do foresee that maintaining the way it is. And you guys, he just got his first um, shutout and complete game of his career just the other night. And I love the way that he throws. And I feel like he's also going to add to that the, the betterment, if you will, because he is certain, like really honing on specializing his secondary pitches. I'm really, really a huge fan of this long, slow curveball, And he's able to shave like 20 miles an hour off of his fastball and just make guys fall on their butts. Literally, he did that. I think it was to Jose Altuve once, which was fantastic to watch. And I just spoke to Bassett the other day and he's loving where his sinker is at. He's super, super um, confident in that. And he did learn a lot from Sergio Romo with his slider. You know, Romo has been able to maintain a career for over a decade throwing that pitch. So of all people are going to learn from, that's the perfect guy to do it. But I do think more time needs to go by as far as Cy Young discussions go. And if you look at like, I think he's got one of the, the top 10 ERAs in the American League, but you got to look at the competition. You got Garrett Cole, you got Shane Bieber, those guys, but he remains definitely the most consistent pitcher on the team. So I could foresee him continuously being that solid guy. Um, so, I mean, I know this is fan graphs. You guys love the numbers and the, and the fantasy stuff. So he's definitely a guy you got to hold on to. I love him as a pitcher. Yeah, no, he's been absolutely fantastic so far. And the yeah. fact is, I don't know if people know this, but three years ago, he was sent down to a ball because he just he couldn't control the ball. He was throwing it all over the place. Yeah. And he's 32 years old, which makes him, makes him a complete anomaly as for anyone, any pitchers now. Pitchers at 32 usually don't find it. Usually they're done by now, or a lot yeah. of them are. Yeah. And I, and I, I love that you called him an anomaly and it's, you know, we just got to, it was, there was a story outside of, you know, his, his numbers and everything like that. He got really emotional because he kept, he kept pushing, you know, he kept fighting. And like you said, at this age, 
you know, when you turn 30 years old, you blow out 30 candles on your birthday cake. People don't look at you when it comes to a fantasy starter or anything like that. And this guy's still pushing. And so I love it. And just he's surrounded by a great big group of guys too. And he's kind of maintained being a leader and learning a lot from everything. And yeah, he's great. I'm so glad you guys um, are are noticing that because that's, he's a guy that deserves all the, all the success. Yeah. And in fantasy in a five by five roto, he's been a $17 player thus far. Um, I, I, Garrett Cole to me is a Cy Young person so far. Uh, I'm still in on uh, Glass now. I think that Glass now, uh, he was my preseason prediction for the Cy Young, and he's yeah. looked, looked spectacular. Um, but uh, no, Bassett has been well, the A's hate going up against Glass now. I can tell you that they <laughs> hate going up against him. So, a- anyone this year, uh, now he's really come on with, with that third pitch and uh, with the innings. Glass now, actually, he's uh, I believe tied with Bassett for the 11th most innings in all base innings are a big thing i mean uh the pitchers who are successful are the ones that are making it sixth seventh inning uh and bass right. is doing a great job this year um yeah and only- i think the a's were the first team to have uh, to have five of their starters get over 10 starts this season or something like that which was this just happened recently so that kind of goes to show like how pitching is kind of crazy this season Right, right, right. He's benefited from the strikeouts because his K per nine has jumped from like seven to nine and a half. Yeah. So he's benefited from that. It may have to do with the ball a little bit, but I mean, he he did it last year. He, in a yeah. very, it was a very short sample size, but he did it last year and he's able to carry it over to this year. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think what he's doing is legitimate. Uh, and uh, I think you should see more of the same. Uh, before we talk about uh, the MVP for the, uh, what can be for the Oakland Athletics thus far, we have the Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. So basically, we want to discuss who's going to be the MVP currently for the eight, for this A's team. Mm-hmm. So, Jessica, I have a qu- uh, nice trivia question dealing with this. Of the hitters on the Oakland Athletics, who are the top five based on war? The top five hitters, not pitchers, because Ariel mentioned about Bassett having a 1.6. Who right. are the top five hitters based on war on the athletics? On the, cur- the current athletics. The current, the current team, team right now. Yeah. Okay. So I would say Olsen. Olsen is number three. Um, would it be Jed Lowry? Jed Lowry is number five. <laughs> oh, wow. Damn, Amazingly, dude. Jed Lowry is number five. Yeah, um, sorry, Mets fans. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ramon Laureano, yeah, number one, yes. And I want to say Chappie, but I don't. What about Sean Murphy? Sean Murphy is number four, but you're missing the MC. guy who you're missing, Mark Canna. Mark Canna, oh, Mark Canna has been unreal this year, he's almost matching his 2019 numbers. And what do you think, Jessica? Do you think he's the MVP? Do you think Loriano is to this point? I know Loriano is now injured, but yeah. do you think Canna or is it Olsen? So this is a tough one only because I feel like they're MVP in their own ways. You mentioned Loriano is injured right now, but I, I can tell you what, like Loriano is probably the most well-rounded player on that team and he's only getting better. And just knowing like when he sits out, he's annoying the crap out of his teammates because he just wants to learn. So I think Olsen would be the easiest one to call if you're if you're a casual baseball fan. If you haven't been watching Mark Canna this season 
Olsen be the easier play to call. Um, and his defense is only getting better. But like I said, Loriano is definitely for sure an all-star and a gold glover for me. But I really feel like Canna is definitely not only the most underrated player on the A's, but maybe the AL or the entire league itself. So it, it's kind of a tie for me. But I feel like if you're talking about currently what's been happening lately, it'd definitely be Canna at this very moment. If we had to do MVP tomorrow, it'd be Canna. So a couple things. First of all, you mentioned Sean Murphy there, and I'm wondering if that's because he plays catcher, uh, because a part, a large part of the war war for a catcher is framing ability, uh, and so catchers tend to jump across of that. So I'm wondering if that had anything to do with it. Uh, but in it, any case, it did, but I also I, there's so much star quality with him too, and, and he's got so much power at the plate, and I don't I don't even feel like he's quite there yet. Mind you, this guy had a collapsed lung heading yeah, into the season. Yeah. And he acted like it was nothing. I kept asking him, like, because I think he messed up his wrist. He got hit by a ball. And he's like, yeah, it sucked. And I was like, bro, your, your lung, like, are you okay? Like, your lung collapsed twice. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And I was like, dude, all right. So the, the guy, like, alone is just a savage. So, I, but yeah, I do, I do believe his framing's fantastic. And even last year as a rookie, you wouldn't know he was a rookie. Just the way that he calls his, his game plans are just so veteran status. Um, but I could see, yeah, the, the framing's just fantastic, too. Yeah, so that probably put him in the top four. And I agree. I don't think we've seen the best yet offensively yet of of, of Murphy. Um, for me, uh, Loriano, as, just as you said, he's really the all-around guy. His, uh, to give you a sense, his defense, his defensive war is, uh, I believe, the second or third highest defensive outfield war in all of baseball. I think Byron Buxton is first. Um, but yeah, he, he's just fantastic there. And plus he's got a great bat. Canna, of course, is, uh, is the, uh, uh, all around guy. Um, in, in rotisserie, he's, he's better in OBP than he is in batting average leagues. He got 42 runs on the season, mm -hmm. which is enormous. Um, and of course, Olsen is a guy with 33 RBIs and 545 slugging, leading the team. In, if, it, if I were to pick a fantasy MVP, it would be Canna, easily. Canna right. was a very low-round pick. And what's good about Canna, which is why I have him on almost every single team, he does a little bit of everything. He's, yes. He steals. He has seven steals. He hits homers. He has uh, runs. Uh, he gets on base. Yeah. He gets on base. He's going to score runs, and he does knock and runs because he does bat decently in the order. Uh, so he's just a, a great value to have, and he's executed. Um, Olsen probably is the MVP uh, so far, although Canada's ahead of him in war. Uh, right. Pretty pretty close. I it's a tough debate, right? I think yeah. it's a beautiful debate to have. Like, it just goes to show, and it's funny, even with uh, Loriano, you're not going to see him have a lot of assists anymore because they know not to run on him. Right. And that's kind of interesting, too. So, like, those numbers aren't going to show, but it's actually for a good reason. So that's kind of something I noticed. Right. And in the summer, I think uh, Power will play, and I think he'll uh, uh, Olsen will, will pass pass Canna when it's all said and done. Uh, Ruven, what is the um, injury update for Ramon Loriano? I, I believe he was just placed on the IL. Um, the 10-day IL, yeah. It's a 10, 10-day IL, but it may be longer. It, it, the whole league is getting muscle strains, and, and, yeah. and they're pulling muscles everywhere. So it's so hard to tell when one team says one thing, another team says another, because just like Joe Girardi said, sometimes they'll say something just to get an advantage. So I, I, I it's so hard to tell, especially – I don't think they had uh, – Jessica, this is more your expertise, but I don't think he went for an MRI yet, so they don't know the extent of the injury either. Yeah, I don't believe he's gone for an MRI, no. Um, and when it comes to Loriano, I, the thing I love about him is how tough he plays, but I could see him really, I don't want to say 
lying that he's ready to go back and the way that he, you know, and, and like you mentioned, pulling and, and these groin injuries are so difficult to measure. Um, and the way that Loriano plays, they're probably going to want to play it cautiously with him because he does go out so much. And when it comes to the groin, I mean, you guys can only imagine what that's feeling like and you want to extend for a catch or anything like that. They're going to be extra, extra cautious with him. Right. What is the closer situation on the team? I know Trevino started getting a bunch of saves. It might be Diekman uh, now, although Diekman is um, one of the only lefties in the bullpen. So, yeah. um, you know, traditionally when you have that, you want to put Diekman in a more high leverage role and have Trevino, the righty, come in. Uh, Petit's been great in the middle. Uh, what, what is your take on, on the closer situation? Uh, it's a great question. I don't entirely know only because I don't think the A's even know right now. Um, but the good thing about that is they have options. Now, some of those options are, of course, injured. You know, Rosenthal's out. Uh, Wendelkin, who I really, really loved watching him, he's out right now. And you guys, Lazardo is going to be coming out of the bullpen for a little bit, maybe for the foreseeable future. They're not 100% sure. But you did mention Diekman. Um, he's a great lefty to kind of end on it. And that's what we were mentally prepared for after the A's did lose Liam Hendricks. But then, you know, Rosenthal was brought in. So that kind of was a game changer. But I like the idea of Yuzmira Petit being that setup man. But we also know the guy can literally probably start a game and be very, very successful. Um, so I like I like it going either Uzmero and Jake. And then I really do love Lou Trevino kind of closing it out. Uh, that whiff rate isn't exactly what it was like last season. But if you put those three in a similar situation, hopefully they're not dipping into the bullpen too much, as obviously most uh, pitchers would prefer. Um, so I kind of like that idea. But I really like Trevino kind of being the ninth inning guy. What about what about AJ Puck when he comes back? Because they're saying he's supposed to go to the bullpen also. If he goes to the yeah. bullpen, doesn't that open up Deakman to be the full-time closer? You know, I don't I can't even confidently say that just because that I mean when it came into the season, I was meant like I said, I was mentally prepared for Deakman and then they signed Rosenthal. But I I yeah, I could see definitely Puck is not gonna be the ninth inning guy. He's definitely gonna be a setup man. Um, and I think that's what he's kind of poised to do right now, just after all those injuries. So it's definitely a possibility. Um, I don't hate it, uh, but I do like that, you know, the, not even just the fact that he's a lefty, but his weird ass delivery, uh, makes it a great guy to kind of face to close it out. But that's for sure a possibility. And obviously, like I said, you have Lizardo going in there now. Um, and then when all the other guys are going to be, be coming back, um, that'll be interesting, but. I talked to Forrest recently, David Forrest, the ASGM, and I can answer a question about that like later on, another question that y'all have for me. Um, in terms of the trade deadline, so far the A's uh, have been doing great, and I'm assuming they would be buyers rather than sellers. What What do you think that uh, the A's are, are – what are their biggest needs? What would they be seeking on the trade market, and maybe who – is there a name out there that you might think would be a good fit for them? I am the worst with names, not that I don't remember them, but I, I get nervous because, you know, my mentions are the first they're going to come after like, oh, they didn't actually get Josh Hader, did they just? No, that's like a wish list, of course. Right. But when it comes to the A's, I did talk to David Forst um, about a couple weeks ago and saying like what they would like to do. And he was aware of how the bullpen was looking with all these injuries. So he did say they would want to go grab somebody to bolster that a little bit. I think to make that Deakman Trevino situation a little bit more clearer. 
Um, they've just been riddled with so many injuries and question marks. Um, like I said, I can't give you all names because it just like makes me nervous. And he didn't mention any to me at all. Um, but I do know that when it came to entering the season, the reason why they did go out and get Rosenthal was because of that trade for Elvis Andrews and the Chris Davis trade. Um, but they're always trying to bolster their bullpen. Because if you look at the collective ERA that the guys had last year compared to the other teams, it was them, the Rays, and the Dodgers who had the best collective bullpen ERA. And you know how the other teams did. They went to the World Series. So they want to maintain that good reputation. And it's impossible to fix and, and create another Liam Hendricks. But the A's have a way of doing it. Don't expect them to go out and get like a big name, but I, I feel like they can probably bring one or two guys onto the team to kind of make some of those questions less of questions, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and uh, the A's have been turning closers uh, quite a bit. I think in the last seven years, they've had six different opening day closers or something like that. Uh, yeah, crazy. sounds about right. Um, yeah. I think outfield is, is probably a need that they that they would have. Um, I mean, Luriano's hurt, so immediately they do. Uh, otherwise, you got Piscotti or Brown. I can see yeah. an upgrade there. Um, middle infield, if they're happy with Andrus and Lowry, I guess. But I could see a small upgrade there as well. Uh, but otherwise, mm -hmm. they're, pretty, they're pretty well balanced in terms of uh, position-wise, yeah. right? Well, what about starting pitchers? Everyone needs starting pitchers. Yeah. And you know, there's, there are so many starting pitchers out there. And because, Jessica, you won't throw out a name, I'm going to throw out two names. You don't have to say anything. Okay. I'm going to throw out two names. First of all, from the bullpen, a guy who would fit perfectly for them. He's not really a closer. But it's a guy like the Jerry's Familia type where they got a couple years ago. But Dan Hudson, Daniel Hudson, he's he's on he's on a team that's not really going anywhere, and they can probably get him cheap, and they can probably just stick him in, and he can pitch in high leverage situations. No, he'll be good at that. Another name I'm just gonna throw out there again. This is complete speculation, mine only, not yours. Sonny Gray. He's turned oh, it around. Yes. Since Cincinnati's not going anywhere, and he's played there before, so he's got the familiarity. So that's a, it's a, it's a name that I think will probably be out there during the trade deadline because he's going to be available at the trade deadline. And if anyone needs starting pitchers, he's he's got two years left on his contract, and I think mm -hmm. only like an average of $10 million per year. So that's a very team-friendly contract for that type of pitcher. Oh, yeah, and they, they welcome him back with open arms. And Chris Bassett just talked to me the other, the other day. We were just kind of j joking around for the show. And I was like, what's some of the best advice you've ever given? And he gave me, or you're ever given. And he said Sonny Gray talked about the mentality behind all this. So he talked about how much Sonny Gray's helped his pitching career. And it's funny that you mentioned Hudson because I liked him. I believe it was heading into the 2020 season of a possibility of coming um, to the A's bullpen. Cause you, like you mentioned, not just price wise, but they love a veteran or reliever on the A's always not a sexy name by any means, but he gets the job done. And maybe we can have a situation kind of like a Birch Smith, something kind of like that happening. So those are great suggestions. Although um, I would not want Familia on my team for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I really like those uh, those ones, Ruvain. Excellent job on that. Um, just quickly, prospects. Are there any prospects that might make an impact in 2021 for the A's? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Puck. I feel like Puck's been a prospect for as long as I've been alive. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. He obviously has the most trajectory, but another pitcher that you guys really need to keep your eye on, two of them, Dalton Jeffries and uh, Grant Holmes. Um, I just love the way that Dalton um, has been. He had a very, very strong spring. He, I think he had like the first strike out of the spring, and it happened to be against Mookie Betts. 
Um, I know spring, you can only measure so much, but um, he did, he was riddled with a little bit of injury. And of course his MLB in de debut in 2020 left a lot to be desired, but I do love me some Grant Holmes. The guy just has this disgusting curveball that's aggressive. There's so much bite to it. Mind you, I'm used to covering like a Chris Bassett who has a very dainty curveball, not taking anything away from that. And you guys did mention an upgrade from Elvis Andrews and you no, know, there's Nick Allen and Logan uh, Davidson who I just spoke to Forrest about, and he kept talking about Davidson, how he's excited to see what impact he makes. And these guys, these mid-infielders are doing so, so well. Andrews is doing okay right now. I think he's kind of hit his stride at the moment, so that's something to keep an eye on. And I do love me some Luis Barrera. He did get his ma major league debut. He's back down in AAA. Um, but that guy makes a lot, a lot of contact, and they love a lefty bat in the outfield. You mentioned Seth Brown. So other guys like that to kind of fill that Robbie Grossman void are very, very good as well. Yeah, uh, Grossman doing ha having a great year this year. That's definitely someone that yeah. could have helped the A's uh, this year. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm so bummed they couldn't resign him just because I feel like he yeah. wasn't as talked about as he as he should have been. But you're right. He's doing really, really well. So I'm happy for him. Don't want to put you on the spot, but any thoughts about Semyon not retaining him? <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> How much time y'all got? Um, so and that, that was more of a romantic type of feeling for me because the guy was just a good leader in the clubhouse. Um, but I feel like also the um, the change of scenery did him beautifully, uh, not just from a Blue Jays perspective, but a, you know, a, a position perspective. And you guys, there's a lot of these silly, I don't want to say rumors, but thoughts about them maybe trading him back. Um, and that has a lot to do with the great storyline and to bring him back if the A's would be pushed toward the playoffs would be kind of cool. But we just spoke to him recently, um, but he loves where he's at right now. And I think it's a great fit. It's a great organization. It's certainly a great team um, and, and all of that. But just from a pure baseball A's fan perspective, it broke my heart. But I also understand um, and, you know, the A's really hated it. They hated having to let him go, but he deserved that that daddy money that he got. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. And uh, he's the number five player in fantasy baseball this year. Number five. Yeah. Uh, he's been absolutely dynamite. 13 homers, eight stolen bases, 297 batting average, 34 runs, 32 RBIs. Uh, he's been a monster. And uh, Blue you're Jays just making me feel so much yeah. better. About <laughs> <this>. <laughs> well, the, the positive about this is that he usually has one good year, one bad year, one good year, one bad year. So this is his good year. <laughs> That's what there you is. go. Oh. There, thanks. That there, thank you. That not, helps. Not not sure yeah. that helps that much. Uh, let's turn yeah. our attention to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, let's just start with the because fantasy it's relevant for for the closer situation. Jake McGee seemed to be the guy to uh, start it out, and Tyler Rogers getting more and more uh, save opportunities here. I think those are yeah. the two big ones. Uh, again, it's it's a uh, it's a typically mostly righty dominated pen, uh, so that would suggest Rogers, in a conventional sense, get the save opportunities with McGee either getting uh, if the ninth inning is all lefties or high leverage where there's lefties. Uh, where do you see the split here? I love McGee not just because he's a fellow Reno person like myself, but I'm just a huge nerd when it comes to Tyler Rogers. Um, I don't know if you guys know, I have this huge affinity for Joey Votto. And uh, Tyler Rogers, the way that he approaches lefties is just fantastic. Um, the delivery point on his slider and his fastball are just so fascinating to me. And he talked, he did this like kind of a breakdown with how he approached not only lefties, but specifically Joey Votto, 
who is just obviously so difficult to get out sometimes. So I just, I'm just a nerd for Tyler Rogers and I'm glad that he's getting a lot more opportunities. Um, the strikeout numbers aren't quite there as a typical successful closer would be measured by, but I feel like his ERA and his whip kind of make up for that, but I could watch Rogers pitch all day. So just from like a nerdy perspective, I love a submarine guy and that's why I like Rogers a lot, but McGee has been doing fantastic work as well. Yeah. And you probably like, then you probably like Chad Bradford when he was with the A's also same. Oh idea. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody brings up him and then Brad Ziegler. So uh, trivia here. Who has more saves this year, Tyler Rogers or Taylor Rogers, his twin brother? I would probably say his twin. No, it's Tyler. Tyler has six. His Dang, okay. Taylor has four. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I wonder if that's going to be an awkward Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Like, it's... well, I've got more saves than you. Mom passed the salt because Tyler won't. Well, the question will be who gets to cut the pumpkin cake at the, at the end, the pumpkin oh, pie yeah. at the end, because who's going to close? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't really know their uh, family dynamic, but uh, it makes for interesting talk, to say the least. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Joey Bart, uh, who is the catcher of the future. He was a big presence last year, mostly because Posey uh, opted out. Posey has looked absolutely, I'm not going to say vintage, but he's looking like he's not going away anytime soon. I mean, he's batting 300 plus. Uh, it's typical, typical Buster Posey this year, which means Joey Bart just is going to stay uh, in AAA a little bit longer. When do you see him as coming up this season at all? Is it just going to be a cameo at the end? Uh, and where do you, when do you see over the next couple of years as him taking over the starting role for good? I mean, the like you mentioned, the decision would be easier if Buster wasn't being, you know, like you said, vintage Buster. But I think we need to have a little bit more patience. Uh, both Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler have said that he, uh, Bart still has some development to go. I was actually kind of shocked they brought him up as early as they did last season. But I think that had to do with the fact that it was a compacted season. Um, I think he'll get the call MLB for the MLB call sooner than later, but you have to pay attention to that giant schedule because Sally's injured. Um, and then Buster will be getting some of those days off as well, but there's also Chadwick Trump who can kind of go in there. Um, and I, th I'm not taking anything away from Bart, but I still, there's, there's just some hesitation there when it comes to that. So don't be surprised if Trump's getting some of those starts over Bart, um, and as far as when he's going to be there, I think we still have to wait a little bit. Like I said, there's some hesitation. There's that developmental thing. And I think there's some, some worries about his defensive ways. I don't remember if it's from the actual catching itself or when the catch and throw situation, I can't for the life of me remember, but it is a defensive issue that they want him to kind of, you know, fine tune, um, but that's what I remember from what I was told. Um, and so don't be surprised if you might have to have a little bit more patience. But I think we'll see him this season for sure. It might, like you said, be toward the end. Well, Bart is killing it in AAA. He's batting 378 right now with three homers. Um, Buster Posey has a club. I believe it's a club option for next year. So mm -hmm. it's possible that we may not even see Bart until the end of next year as a full yeah. as a possible full-time catcher. Yeah, and I'm not surprised that he was up last year because, remember, you want to develop him. There were no minor leagues last year. So That's if you're going to develop That's a guy, right, if you're going to develop a guy, and by the way, Buster Posey's not playing this year, it just makes absolute sense that, well, we're going to develop you at the major league level. So I, I'm not surprised at all that they did that. Um, 
Talk about the trade deadline. The question is, are they going to be buyers or sellers? Certainly, they've they're in playoff uh, position right now. Uh, is that for real? You got the Dodgers who haven't really hit their stride yet, and the Padres who are playing fantastically, best team in baseball, pretty much. Um, will the Giants be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Uh, what do you think? It sounds like from what Zaidi's talking about, um, I think they're going to be buyers. And I think that's going to be sh- that shifted since obviously the beginning of the season, because now the Giants are atop the NL West right now, um, especially where they're at the division. They want to hold on to kind of that momentum. Uh, Zaidi did mention adding a left-handed bat to bolster that lineup around the trade deadline, um, especially if the team is playing that the the way that they are right now, um, which is interesting because I know you guys want to talk about like starting pitching, which is, the Giants have a really interesting starting pitching rotation, not a bad one by any means, but it is interesting. Um, so it's kind of interesting to hear Zaidi say he wants to go toward a lefty bat. But, I mean, the guy's just been kind of an evil genius the last couple of seasons. So when Zaidi says something, you definitely pay attention. So I think they're looking for a an offensive addition right now. And, and I think they held on to a couple of guys last season for that exact reason to possibly do a little buying situation. So I think they're going to be eyeing that. And Zaidi does put a lot of stress and attention on these younger guys, um, whether that means they could be trade pieces or not. I'm not sure, but he mentioned offensive production as being a possibility. And they seem to have a lot of uh, holes to fill here and there in the outfield. Gregory Polanco, the Pirates, is a trade option. Uh, Corey Dickerson, a trade option from the Marlins, who might be out of contention also. Those might be some lefty bats that might satisfy them, I think. Um, who do you think has been the most underrated player on the Giants this year? See, this one's tough because I my immediately thought about all the old dudes. like, But I don't even know if that, they're underrated anymore. Like Every time I look up, Posey's hitting a home run. You know, We got Longo and Crawford, and I feel like Belt has always – doing something where he has like these three games or these three weeks where he's just dominant. So I think the easiest one kind of off the top of my head would be these guys, right? I mean, Yastrzemski, I feel like he's going to eventually come, you know, get his stride again. Um, I really love what Alex Dickerson is doing as well, but I'm really enjoying like the old school guys kind of, you know, getting all these plate appearances. Um, and like I said, every time I look up, Posey's hitting a home run. So I'm, I'm really enjoying these older I mean, sorry, experienced players, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Oh, their experience has been great. I put Longoria, Cro- Brandon Crawford. I, Brandon Crawford is a $23 player in Roto. He's a top 40 player. He's, uh, I, For me, it's him. Uh, I mean, people didn't even give him consideration, and he's just been the steady Eddie that he's been all the years. And uh, he's, <laughs> he usually ends up with about uh, 12 to 14 homers in the year. He's got 11 so far, and we yeah. just finished May. Uh, Crawford to me is the underrated guy this year. Ruben? Well, I'm I'm actually going to say someone who's completely under the radar. No one mentioned, and only if you're a Mets fan like I, I am, you would mention. That's Wilmer Flores. Yeah, he fills in everywhere. He's played. Let's see, he's played 18 games at second base, 14 at first, eight at third. He plays all. I mean, he just coming off an injury, but he mashes lefties. So whenever one of the older guys need to take a day off or something like that, you just plug him in. He can play everywhere, and he's one of those guys, very unsung guy, and he's really worth his weight in gold sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's I also agree. he's also walking this year. He's got over a ten percent walk rate. 
Uh, so he's he's been great. Uh, I think Alex Wood also seems he could be undervalued. Like he came he was injured to start the year, but he's been absolutely solid. Alex Wood is the guy who he's greatness in spurts. Like you'll see him he has a bad year, then he has one fantastic year where he has a great half. I think Wood uh, is 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 a, another big name. Um, how about prospects? Um, any prospects coming? We mentioned Bart, but I don't think he's going to have a big impact, if any. Uh, any other ones this year? I mean, it's kind of difficult to tell besides like the obvious ones. Um, but I do like Sean Jelly a lot. Um, his um, ERA isn't quite a good characteristic of what he's capable of doing, but he has had some solid outings, still limited capacity, but he's always somebody that's constantly being brought up when it comes to prospect talks. Um, I'm just glad they actually have prospects worth talking about now, but I really like what, what Jelly could do only because it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their pitchers, both obviously starters and out of the bullpen, but I really like him. Let's do a couple of mailbag questions very quickly here. Uh, Alex asks, he says, it is now June. Will Matt Chapman's bat finally heat up? Let's say you, Jessica. I sure hope so. Um, <laughs> I He's he's doing these things where he's coming in spurts, um, and I feel like he he's still getting his legs from underneath him a little bit more after having that hip surgery last year. But I think – I, I think we're all confident in Matt Chapman. Um, so I think he just needs to find that that way, and then he'll start heating up. I'm never worried about a Matt Chapman. I don't think anybody else is either. Yeah, I think the power will bounce back. I'm not sure that the average will. I don't think he's going to top 240, and he'll probably end up much lower than that on the year. Uh, but the power should be bounced back in the summer. Ruven, you think differently? I know. I, I completely agree. His Babbitt is right on target with the rest of his career. So I think everything is going the way it should. He just got to find the power swing. And you know what? When the summer comes, it heats up a little bit. Maybe the power will come back or maybe baseball changes the ball back to what it was before because these batting averages are just really horrible throughout all of baseball. That may help it also. Uh, Eric asks, all right, I didn't get Manoa, but I did grab Logan Webb. Is he breaking out, and can his slider remain effective? It, to me, he's similar to Chris Bassett in, in terms of his success, that I don't think he's uh, fluky. Uh, Eric is uh, uh, he has, uh, um, telling you that uh, Logan Webb has a ground ball rate of 58% this year, which uh, which is phenomenal. His uh, ERA, uh, justified by his FIP, his ex-FIP, his Sierra, 3.34. He's got a 26% strikeout rate, swinging strike rate of 12%, which is excellent. And that's all with an unlucky 328 BABIP. So I think Logan Webb is going to continue at this level. What do you think, Jessica? I agree. And um, he's extremely confident in that in that pitch right now. And he's been practicing with that. He was working on his arm slot delivery for quite a while. And he's adding that to the rotation. And I feel like just his confidence alone in it and how he knows how to execute it. Um, I think the, the way that it's breaking as well. Um, he's so, you know, like I said, confident in it. So I, I could actually see a lot of sustainability from him. Um, and I'm actually not that worried about uh, him regressing. I mean, I think they obviously all pitchers do, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But yeah, I love Logan Webb, and I think he's developing that pitch really well, adding it to his arsenal. And I, I mean, I think he's going to do fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the summer, there's always more hitting, so I can see his ERA sliding because of that, uh, because of the balls are heating up. But uh, no, in general, I think I, I, I like his stuff. Uh, uh, Ruven, you, you disagree, agree? I, I completely agree. His K per nine is close to 10, which is almost too higher than his career. So he's found something. He's he's missing bats more. And he's he's just 
has to gain confidence. These younger guys, he's only, I think he's only 24. He's just has to, has to gain his confidence and, and just pitch and just keep pitching. That's probably the same reason we mentioned before why Joey Barr was called up. Just get him some confidence. Once you get yeah. your feet wet, sometimes you're able to just push forward and get better. And uh, Jeffrey asks, how do you like the extra inning rule and how is it working with Rachel Luba? I guess that one's for you. Uh, <laughs> the extra inning rule. I mean, it's, I, 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 <laughs> I think it's stupid, but I also understand it. Um, mind you, the first time I got the glimpse of it outside of you know me playing Little League was watching Shohei Otani start on second. And in the, this season, I think we start we saw Albert Pujols start on second. So it's just bizarre and it's weird. Um, but I do understand it. It does kind of create some excitement. So I respect it to that that way. But it's also just silly to me. Um, and working with Rachel Luba is fantastic. I love her. Um, I get to learn a lot from her. Obviously, she's an agent to, you know, the, she was the agent to the biggest free agent last season and um, a guy who just won a Cy Young. But I learn a lot from her. She learns a lot from me. And it's been a really fun ride and watching her do all these successful things and, you know, even having to, you know, watching behind the scenes stuff with Yasiel Puig and other um, clients of hers. So it's been fun, but she's great. Yeah been a really corked up has been fantastic we have a cult following and we really love um all of our listeners and we're very thankful for them yeah no doubt great show ruvini any thoughts obviously about the extra inning i don't think you work with rachel do you yeah what is no, it like working with rachel um <laughs> i don't i don't i can't comment on that um but um the extra inning rule i think is i'm a i'm a uh, traditionalist I think it's completely garbage I mean you have to earn your way on base I mean everyone's striking out at such a high rate and to just put someone in second base I understand they want to try to speed up games but a lot of these extra inning games are ending at 10 innings and you know what I like the longer games I like the games going to 15 16 innings those get more exciting and those you're you're, you're in this you're at the stadium to like two two in the morning sometimes I, that's the most fun what I have when I go to the stadium I went to a Met game they went to like 17 innings it was like 1 30 in the morning and it was starting to drizzle that's the stuff you're going to remember. You're not going to remember, oh, yeah, I, was, I left after the 10th inning because they had a guy on second to start the inning. I mean, I'll say the same thing that, that I say about uh, um, the doubleheaders being seven innings. It's a service cut. I mean, we had a doubleheader used to be 18 innings of baseball, and now it's 14. You're, I'm getting gypped for the same money for four innings. You know, um, certainly in fantasy, you're getting gypped. And certainly if I'm attending a game and watching, I'm getting gypped. So, uh, you know, I, I can understand the rule if they want to start it like in the 12th inning. Just give two innings to have regular baseball. Um, but but what? why? Just break out the home run derby. Like they, they could do anything. It's it's so arbitrary about about doing this. Uh, I do it in my uh, in my night softball league where we start with uh, one out and runner on second, and we do one and one count. And that's because the lights literally go off at a certain time, so you need to have an ending. But I don't really enjoy that. I don't see a reason for, for doing that. Um, not a fan. Not really. No. I agree. All right. Well, this was a great show, really great information, and uh, everyone listening knows that uh, Jessica really does a great job finding the insides of uh, everything that she can. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell everybody uh, where we can follow you, see your work, and uh, everything Jessica Kleinschmidt? Yeah, um, all my stuff's on Twitter, at KleinschmidtJD. And then um, what's the other one? Instagram, Jessica Kleinschmidt. I put all of my stuff out there. Some really cool stuff coming up with Corked Up. I have a show launching with um, NBC Sports Bay Area. I'm interviewing all of your favorite A's players. Um, so that'll be fun. I think that comes out next week as well. 
some Father's Day stuff coming up, but thank you guys so much for following my work. And I'm hoping that you guys are paying attention to the A's a little bit because they deserve a little bit more attention than what we're, we're giving. But yeah, that's, that's where you can find all my stuff. And the A's are there every single year. I mean, it, 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 the money, money ball is going, has been going on for 20 years. It's, it's incredible. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the, the Rays. Uh, the A's are just, just as much. Uh, all right, Ruben, what about you? Tell us about your stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates on a daily basis, how long they're, I think they're going to be out for based on their injury, who's the next guy up. And I also have a weekly injury report on Rotoballer. All right, and I'm Ariel Cohen. You can read my work over at Fangraphs, at CBS Sports Line, and at Rotoballer as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ATCNY. And of course, you can listen to me each week on the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. Once again, thanks so much to Jessica Kleinschmidt for joining the show this week. And for from all of us here at Beat the Shift, see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at Beat underscore shift underscore pod.